The Secret Church Podcast is a resource from Radical.net. For The Secret Church 7 study guide and other resources that go along with this audio, visit Radical.net slash SC7. This is Secret Church 7, Episode 2. What are angels? What are angels? Angels are spiritual beings without physical bodies. We're going to just think generally about angels for a minute. Mentioned many times. Over half of the books of the Bible mention angels. 108 appearances in the Old Testament. 108, 165 appearances in the New Testament. They're all over. Old Testament and New Testament. Angels have many names. And I just listed some scripture there. Messengers, angels, messenger spirits, holy ones. Holy ones. What are angels? First of all, they're spiritual beings. Hebrews chapter 1 talks about they are, how they are ministering spirits. They're spirits, not material beings with physical bodies like you and me. So they can't be seen by us unless either God gives us a special ability to see them or God gives them some sort of bodily form through which they appear to people in Scripture, which we'll see. But they are spiritual, not physical. They're created spiritual beings. Psalm 148, verse 5, let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. Referring back to the beginning, all his angels, all his heavenly hosts. Angels have not always been there. They were created by God. Spiritual beings, created beings. Angels are personal <laughs> spiritual beings. They have moral capacities. We see this, and we'll talk about this more in a second with demons, because there were angels who sinned, 2 Peter 2 talks about. So they have capacity to make moral decisions. They have intellectual capacities. First Peter 1 talks about how they speak, how they look into things. They have emotional capacities. Job 38, on what were its footings set or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Luke 15, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. They, they have joy, they have emotional capacities. Angels are powerful spiritual beings. Psalm 103 talks about how they are mighty ones who do his bidding. They're powerful, but they're limited in different ways. Angels are limited in space. Get this, angels are not omnipresent. They don't necessarily have physical bodies like us. They're spiritual, but that doesn't mean that they're just automatically everywhere. They are still limited in space. See in Luke 1, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. He wasn't in Nazareth at one point. He was at another point. Not omnipresent. Limited in space. Limited in knowledge. Angels don't know everything. They don't know everything. Not omnipotent. Not omniscient. Not omnipresent. So they're powerful but limited. Angels are single. Unmarried spiritual beings. And the resurrection. People will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. Scripture always describes angels in masculine gender, but they don't really have gender. The pictures, there's not reproduction in angels. They are single, unmarried spiritual beings. They are immortal spiritual beings. Here in Luke chapter 20, it says, they can no longer die for they are like the angels. That doesn't mean they've been there forever like God. They're not eternally existent like God, but once created, they will be there forever. They're immortal Created, once created, they can never die. Angels are versatile spiritual beings. They can appear in a physical way. An angel of the Lord, Luke 1, appeared to Zechariah, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. So he appeared physically. 
They can appear in dreams and visions. Matthew 1, an angel comes to Joseph in a dream, a vision. They can appear in other forms. Daniel 10, look at this picture. A man dressed in linen with a belt of the finest gold around his waist. His body was like chrysolite, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. That is really cool. <laughs> Matthew 28, the angel who came at the tomb. Belt, uh, sorry, the Lord came down, an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. Revelation chapter four gives us another picture. So they appear in other forms. Now, when were angels created? We don't know exactly, but we do know definitely before the seventh day of creation, <coughs> the heaven and the earth were all completed in their vast array, Genesis 2, 1 says. So definitely before the last day of creation, probably on the first day of creation, when God created the heavens and the earth. It makes sense that he created the inhabitants of the heavens at that point. <coughs> and we have a picture of earth being formless, the spirit of God hovering over the water. Most scholars would say that they were probably created on the first day of creation. And then you go to Job 38 and Job talks about God talks about how the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy when the earth was created. So probably at the very beginning. How many angels are there? How many angels are there? Multitudes. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel. A great company. Multitudes, legions. Matthew 26, you know at the cross, we've got a picture of legions of angels. That's a word that was used to describe a, a division of the Roman army. It would usually be about 3,000 to 6,000 troops. But in scripture, it's really used, whenever you see legion, it's really used just to describe a, a vast number, a big number. Myriads, verse, Revelation 5, numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 upon 10,000. So the answer is a lot. A lot of angels there are. And here's the deal. The number is fixed. They're not procreating and they don't die, so... From the very beginning to now, same number of angels. Now, some have asked, are they as numerous as the stars? Possibly. Some have looked at Revelation 12 where it talks about how his tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. And this is a picture, and we'll talk about this more in a minute, when a third of the angels were swept away with Satan and his rebellion and fallen angels. And so some have said that originally the number of stars in the sky correspond to the number of angels. It's possible, but that's a lot to build off of that verse. So others have asked if there are guardian angels for every one of us. Based on Matthew 18, I tell you there are angels in heaven. I always see the face of my father in heaven. So some have said there's a guardian angel for every person in the world, a guardian angel for every child in the world, a guardian angel for every Christian in the world. So the number of Christians would respond to the number of angels. And since there's a set number of angels, that means that we're pretty much set with a number of Christians. Uh, so once we reach the max angels, then this is not good. Um, so maybe that's not the, the, the way I think in absence of much, much to go on in scripture here. I, I would be very hesitant to say that there are guardian angels for every one of us. The way I, the way I would picture angels is more in a zone kind of configuration than man to man. So... Uh, the reality is there's, there's a lot of angels who, who, who stay around the throne of God at all times and are worshiping and, and really are not involved in bringing messages or have anything to do with us particularly. And so I, th I think we're trying to build too much there. Even in Psalm 91 when it says, God will give his angels charge of you. Just picture zone. How are angels organized? 
We don't know exactly, but we do have some hints. We see a picture of cherubim, which is the highest order or rank of angels. Cherubim, literally, the responsibility of the cherubim, cherubs was to protect and proclaim the glory of God. They were given the task of guarding the entrance to the Garden of Eden. He placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flashing sword back and forth. The cherubim were placed over the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament. We talked about this in the last secret church. Placed the cover on top of the Ark, put in the Ark of the Testimony, which I will give you. And there above the cover, put between the two cherubim, two angels, over the Ark of the Testimony, I will meet with you. I'll show my glory to you. Psalm 18 talks about how God mounted the cherubim. And so sometimes they're pictured as, as his chariot. So you've got cherubim, you've got seraphim. Literally, this is what it means. A blaze, a blaze with adoration of God. Isn't that a great picture? Like, don't you want your life to be a blaze with adoration of God? What an incredible image, continually worshiping the Lord. They're only mentioned one time, and that's in Isaiah chapter 6, seraphs. And then we see living creatures, mighty representatives of God's creation. We've already looked at this passage. It's Revelation chapter 4, where it gives basically a picture of strong, mighty creatures in creation to represent these angels. And then you've got, in Scripture mentioned, the archangel who is, anybody know? Michael, archangel Michael. And that term, archangel, indicates some kind of authority over other angels. In Daniel, he's called one of the chief princes, Michael. And then Jude calls him the archangel Michael. Revelation chapter 12, which we'll look at later, pictures Michael and his angels fighting against the devil. Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that the Lord is going to return from heaven with the archangel's call. Can you imagine that day? Michael time. What a picture. Come Lord Jesus, quickly. Gabriel, God's messenger. Only two angels mentioned by name in scripture, Michael and Gabriel. Daniel, he's mentioned there in Daniel 8, Luke 1. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth that we've seen, as we already saw. So when you come to angels, you've got two main categories. Holy angels, Holy angels and then evil angels. Holy angels, Mark 8, 1 Timothy 5 talked about, elect angels. Then you've got evil angels, the evil spirits, demons. They were cast out. We're gonna talk about demons more in a second. But these are the two classes, holy angels and evil angels. And so even demons are classified as spirits or angels. Now, We'll talk about that more in a minute, but what about the angel of the Lord? Sometimes scripture talks about an angel or the angel of the Lord. What does that mean? In Genesis 16, the story of Hagar, it says the angel of the Lord told Hagar, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also told her this. And we see this phrase mentioned a few different times in scripture. Sometimes the angel of the Lord is identified as the Lord. This picture in Genesis 31 it says, in breeding season, I once had a dream in which I looked up and saw that the male goats mating with the flock were streaked, speckled or spotted. The angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, I answered, here I am. And he said, look up and see. So the angel appeared and then he said later in the passage, I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and where you made a vow to me. So here the angel of the Lord is identified as the Lord. Other times, angel of the Lord is distinguished from the Lord. That's the picture in 2 Samuel chapter 24. You see them as distinct different. And so the picture is sometimes in scripture identified as the Lord, sometimes distinguished from the Lord. And so 
just the, the picture just varies. Now I want us to think for a moment about what angels do and how angels relate to us. What does this have to do with our lives? So we'll pick up with that question, what do angels do? And first and foremost, angels glorify God's name. They minister, <coughs> they minister directly to God by glorifying him. Praise him all his angels. Praise him all his heavenly hosts. They glorify God for his greatness. This is a picture of those seraphim in Isaiah chapter 6 crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. So they glorify God for his greatness and for his goodness. They glorify God as they see the plan of salvation unfolding. When Christ is born, they sing. Saviors come. Glory to God in the highest. And then when when we already, we already saw when people are saved, Luke chapter 15, they rejoice. This is a picture. They glorify God for his greatness and his goodness. So they glorify God's name. Second, they obey God's will. Listen to Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, you angels, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. They obey his will. They do that in a variety of different ways. They carry out God's plans. There are times in Scripture when we see angels administering God's judgment. 2 Samuel chapter four, 24, right in the middle there. The angel, when the angel stretched out his hand to destroy Jerusalem, the Lord was grieved because of the calamity and said to the angel who was afflicting the people, Enough, withdraw your hand. 2 Kings 19, that night the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 men in the Assyrian camp. You do not want to mess with that angel. They administer the judgment of God. They serve as God's representatives. Zechariah 1 talks about the ones the Lord has sent to go out throughout the earth. They accomplished God's work. Matthew 28, angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. So angels, again, powerful. Rolled back the stone, sat on it. They accomplished God's work. They influenced God's creation. I saw another angel coming up from the east, having the seal of the living God. He called out in a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the land and the sea. Do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. So we see angels interacting with creation. And then one day, and we already talked about this, they will announce Christ's return. The Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, 1 Thessalonians 4. So this is, these are some of the things that angels do. The question is, how does that relate to us? Okay, angels are doing all of these things in the heavenly realms, but does our knowledge of angels, our awareness of angels, really have any kind of effect on our lives? And I want you to think about how it does. I want you to think about how, and I pray this will be the case when we walk away from tonight, that even our knowledge of angels will help us think through different facets of our lives differently. Now, we've got to realize they're different from us in many different ways. First, we reflect God's image. Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Let us make man in our image. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, God has made man, Genesis 9 said. But this is not the picture with angels. There's a sense in which we are made in the image of God that angels are not. That we are in that sense more like God than even angels. 
So we reflect his image. We can reproduce. We talked about this earlier. Angels cannot bear children. Genesis 5, Adam had lived 130 years, fairly old. He had a son in his own likeness, in his own image. Angels can't do that. We reflect God's images, image, we can reproduce, and we can be redeemed. We can be saved from sin. Evil fallen angels cannot. Scripture's pretty clear on this one. In Hebrews chapter 2, surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. Second Peter chapter 2, if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them into gloomy dungeons to be held for judgment. Jude 6, the angels who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their own home, these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting change for ju- chains for judgment on the great day. This is huge. I want us to realize, just pause real quick and realize, in this picture of unredeemable, fallen angels that God could have let every single one of us go on our path towards self-condemnation. He could have let every single one of us in our sin continue on a path to eternal hell and he would have been completely just in doing so. Completely right in doing so. This is sheer grace, brothers and sisters, that brings us to this room tonight. Sheer grace. And as a result of that kind of grace, there are songs we sing that angels do not sing. Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, redeemed through his infinite mercy, his child forever I am. You will not hear an angel singing that song. It's a song that God has given to us by his grace. We reflect his image, we can reproduce, we can be redeemed, and we will one day reign. Listen to these pictures from Paul and the author of Hebrews. You do not know that we will judge angels, Paul says. Hebrews 1 are not angels, ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. In some sense, one day God will give us some kind of authority over angels, that picture in 1 Corinthians 6. Even now they're ministering spirits sent to serve us. So what does this look like? Well, here's the deal. They are all around us. They're all around us. Angels, join us in worship. I love this picture in the book of Hebrews. You have come to Mount Zion, church, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. When we worship, we come into a heavenly assembly with thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. Get that picture. They join us, better yet, we join them in worship. They join us in worship, they observe our obedience. When Paul is stressing a command to Timothy in 1 Timothy 5, listen to what he says. He says, I charge you in the sight of God and Christ Jesus and the elect angels to keep these instructions. And the picture is that Timothy's actions, his obedience or lack of obedience to these instructions will be carried out in the presence of angels. And if Angels see his obedience, they will glorify God. If angels see his disobedience, they will be grieved. This is the implication. Just feel this for a second. Even when, even when we think our sins are done in secret, obviously, clearly, God knows. But it is very likely that angels are observing our disobedience and grieving 
over our sin. And in the same way, when you are walking through a difficult time and you are attempting to walk faithfully before God and it seems like it's tough and you're alone, just remember this picture. Yes, no doubt, God is with you. And at the same time, at the same time, angels are looking upon that obedience and glorifying God for it. What a picture. Paul says amidst struggle in 1 Corinthians 4. So, our life is on display before angels. They observe our obedience. They administer God's protection. In Daniel chapter 6, it was angels who shut the mouths of lions. In Psalm 91, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Now, how does this look in our lives? We really don't know. We really don't know exactly how this looks in our lives. When maybe we find ourselves in a dangerous or distressful situation, maybe we're driving down the road and a car is about to hit us and immediately swerves or something here or there happens to protect us from this or that. Do we know if there's an angel involved in that or not? It's possible. It's possible. Now, we don't, we could drive ourselves crazy when it comes to conjecture, but it's certainly possible. We know that God uses a variety of different ways and means, including angels, to administer his protection. They administer his protection and they deliver God's plans. God sent an angel to Cornelius here in Acts chapter 10, an angel to Paul in prison to give him a message. So they deliver God's messages, God's plans. They give, next, they deliver God's plans and they give God's provision. 1 Kings chapter 19, when Elijah is running from Jezebel, it is an angel who comes and touches him and says, get up and eat. And he gives him food and drink. And the angel of the Lord came back again and touched him and said, get up and eat. The journey is too much for you. And this is a picture of the angel of God, an angel of God bringing nourishment to the prophet of God. It's an incredible picture. They serve God's people. We already saw this in Hebrews. This is exactly what the angels did after Jesus was tempted in Matthew 4, 11. And finally, angels bring God's deliverance. They bring God's deliverance. Check out how it happens when the apostles are arrested by the high priest. The high priest and all his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people the full message of this new life. The angels delivered them. And then in Acts 12, check out Peter. I love this story. Now you remember, James had just been beheaded and that's exactly what was about to happen to Peter the very next morning. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Which even there, I love this. Peter, the night before he's about to get beheaded, not devising a jailbreak, not working with Chuck Norris on this thing, not got a plan to get out of here. He's supposed to die the next day, and so he decides to get a good night's sleep in preparation. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. Now notice, Peter's still asleep here, okay? Imagine the scene. It's like movie-like. Angel comes into the cell, this brilliant heavenly light. Ah, Peter. Not even paying attention, snoring. So the angel struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. So Peter groggily stretches, comes to his senses. The angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. He felt the need to remind Peter not to run out of prison naked. (laughs) I love this. So Peter did so. 
wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Can you just picture the angel rolling his eyes? Like, this guy doesn't get it. Put your cloak on. Let's go. <laughs> Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It was open for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself. That's my favorite phrase. That's why I love Peter. He is so slow. It took a shining light, an angel to poke him in the side, tell him to get dressed, lead him out of the city, past guards, past gates, and then he realizes, hmm, I think I've been rescued. <laughs> and he says, now I know without a doubt the Lord sent his angel and rescued me. So even when we're slow, angels bring God's deliverance. They supply God's guidance. Genesis 31 and breeding season. This story is a little weird. Uh, I probably could have picked a better one, but uh, <laughs> this is where we come to the romantic part of Secret Church for all of you <laughs> who are using this as a date night. Uh, uh, I once had a dream in which I looked up and saw, anyway, we won't, you can continue on. They supply God's guidance, sometimes in unusual ways. They bring God's guidance. Sorry, angels. Finally, moving on, moving on. <laughs> just want to make the date not, anyway they will gather together they will gather together God's people Matthew 24 says they will see the son of man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory and he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the others just get that picture angels all around us joining us in worship, observing our obedience, administering God's protection, delivering God's plans, giving God's provision, serving God's people, bringing God's deliverance, supplying God's guidance, and one day they're gonna gather us together from the four winds. Just think about how this understanding really does impact our lives. Just think about if we, if we believed this. Angels are an example for us. Don't miss this. Angels remind us of the wonder of worship. Revelation 19 is one of the most majestic pictures of the glory of God in all of Scripture. After this, I heard what the sound like the great, a roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God for true and just are his judgments. Again, later they shouted, Hallelujah. And they cried later, Amen, Hallelujah. Praise our God, all you his servants. You fear him, you fear him, small and great. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters. And like, just imagine the sound like loud peals of thunder shouting hallelujah for our Lord God almighty reigns let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory think about it if angels find their highest joy in giving continuous praise to God should we not also absolutely delight in giving our God praise if this is the picture that surrounds the throne room of God, then how can we stand at his assembly together and worship with our arms crossed and a bored look on our faces? We are worshiping the great God and king and majestic ruler of all creation. Give him the affection and the honor and the glory and the praise he is due 
Angels remind us worship is not boring. And they remind us of the importance of obedience. Listen to the Lord. In light of what we've just looked at, just listen to the Lord's prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Angels who are constantly and perfectly doing his bidding to perfection. Humble servants before God, day and night, day and night, who live to obey God, that live to obey God. God, may your will be done in my life. God, may your will be done in this church and among people like that. Now, three cautions with angels. First, we need to avoid being tempted to worship angels. This is actually something Paul was confronting at Colossae, the book of Colossians. Some, some people were teaching that you should worship them. And so he addresses that in Colossians 2, 18 and 19. And then even in that picture in Revelation 19 that we looked at just a second ago, John, the apostle John sees this astounding, majestic scene and he he fell at his feet, at the feet of an angel to worship him. And the angel said to him, don't do it. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold the testimony of Jesus. Angels are great. We need to realize that angels are great, but they are not God. We must avoid being tempted to worship angels. We must avoid being tempted to pray to angels. Never in scripture are we told to pray to angels. We pray to God. He is omnipotent. He is omniscient. He is the one who is able to hear and respond to our prayers. We do not pray, angel, please come and protect me. Because as soon as we do that, we are attributing to an angel that which is reserved only for God. We pray to God and let him decide when it's best to send an angel. Pray to God and trust his wisdom to administer his protection and give his plans the way he wants to. There is one God and mediator between man, the man Christ, Jesus. So we don't pray to angels. And third, we must avoid being deceived by angels. Don't miss this. 2 Corinthians 11, Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. And the danger, follow this with me before you turn the page and we move on. Danger, especially when we start talking about angels as messengers from God, angels speaking in visions, delivering God's plans, is that Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light in that way. You know that Mormons claim an angel named Moroni spoke to Joseph Smith and revealed to him the basis for the Mormon religion, a cult that runs totally contrary to the teaching of Scripture when it comes to the Trinity and the person of Christ and salvation, among other things. Is it not possible that angels would appear to people today carry out some of the same deception that they've done throughout history. Absolutely. Now it's possible that angels could appear and bring true messages from God. Certainly that's possible, but we need to be extremely cautious, extremely cautious to, be, to avoid being deceived by angels and let this word continue to be our authority, especially when Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Thank you for listening. You can find more episodes from Secret Church and thousands of other free resources at Radical.net.